Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. Saints and siblings in Christ, good morning. When I was in God school, I had a professor, the Reverend Dr. Winston Prasad, who taught systematic theology, which is a terrible, terrible, terrible course to take. (laughs) But he tells the story of something called the righteous mango tree. So imagine with me a mango tree. And if you've never seen a mango tree before, imagine a tree and imagine a mango and imagine a mango hanging from the tree and you're pretty close, all right? It's not a lot of imagination involved here. It's going to be okay. Now, if you go up to a mango tree at the height of harvest season, what do you expect to find on the mango tree? Mangoes, right? Mangoes, yes, because a mango tree produces mangoes. That is what it is meant to do. In that sense, it is a righteous mango tree. Why? Because it is doing exactly what God created it to do. And so, righteousness then is doing what God created you to do and becoming what God has created you to be. However, If you were to walk up to that same mango tree at the height of harvest season and find oranges or apples or pistachios growing from its branches, that would be interesting, first and foremost, right? Yes. But also a bit disappointing, especially if you went to the mango tree to find the mangoes. This mango tree, which does not produce mangoes, is therefore unrighteous because it is not doing what God has created it to do. See it? We're good? Now I tell you this because righteousness and the whole idea of righteousness is really at the center of our gospel text this morning. And so how we understand that weird theological word that we never use outside of the church is really, really important. Our text begins today with a couple of familiar characters in Jesus' parables. A Pharisee, well-to-do, righteous, and faithful, who is countered by a tax collector, a sinner, broken, and at least on the surface, one who has failed at following Torah, one who has failed at following the law of God. Now, knowing that Pharisees are regularly cast in the Gospels as Jesus' opposition, we can read this passage and judge the Pharisee to be a self-righteous hypocrite and assume that the moral of the story is simply to be humble, which to some extent it is. But we sitting here today could easily come away from a reading of this text saying, Lord, we thank you that we are not like those other Christians, hypocrites who are overly pious and self-righteous like the Pharisee Unlike them, we come to church to listen to scripture, and we have learned that we should always be humble in our perfection. (laughs) However, we are striving to avoid that sort of self-congratulatory thing, and so perhaps it is helpful to note that, in fact, 
everything that the Pharisee says in this text is true. He is a righteous sort of fellow. Fasting and tithing and worshiping God are all incredibly important things. He follows the law and he lives out his faith just like he has been taught to. In short, he is, for all intents and purposes, pretty much doing things right. And yet, something is wrong. So what's the problem? Well, I would argue that it all comes back to that idea of righteousness. Because this passage isn't about the honesty of the Pharisee's words or his list of accomplishments. This parable is about how the Pharisee misses the mark and misses the true nature of his blessing. Rather than crediting God, trusting in God, recognizing that righteousness is something bestowed by God, Luke makes it clear that this Pharisee trusts only in himself and his own accomplishments. He locates his righteousness not with God, but entirely within his own actions and self. The tax collector comes with a different mindset. He knows that he possesses no means by which to claim righteousness for himself. His lifestyle and his livelihood offend the law of Israel. He is in the wrong and he knows it. So he stands back, hardly daring to approach the temple. And even when he gets in there, he sits as far back as he possibly can. Maybe he was a Lutheran if he was sitting that far back. I don't know. And standing there with his head bowed, he confesses his sins and he throws himself on the mercy of God. So the contrast that Jesus gives us is clear. The Pharisee makes a claim to righteousness based on his own accomplishments, while the tax collector relies entirely upon God's grace. Rather than be grateful for his blessings, the Pharisee appears smug to the point of despising others. In his mind, there are two types of people, the righteous and the immoral, and he is grateful that he has placed himself among the righteous. The tax collector, on the other hand, isn't so much humble as he is desperate. He is too overwhelmed by his plight to take time to divide humanity into sides. All he recognizes as he stands near the temple is his own deep and great need. And so he stakes his hopes and claims not on anything that he has done or deserves, but entirely on the mercy of God. Now, friends, I do not think that it is an accident that Jesus sets this parable in the temple. Because on the grounds of the temple, you are always intimately aware of who you are and what status you had and what you could expect from God because of those things. There were at the temple insiders and outsiders. And according to these rules, there was no question of where the Pharisee and the tax collector stood, one in and one out. But of course, as Jesus so often does, his words turn things upside down. His words strip away those barriers that society and religion 
demand. Gone are the walls that we throw up between one another. Friends, as soon as we fall prey to the temptation that is to divide humanity into any kind of groups, we have aligned ourselves squarely with the Pharisee in this text. Whether our division is between the righteous and the sinners, the self-righteous and the humble, or literally any other division that you can think of, and let's be honest here, we can think of quite a few today, can we not? Anytime you draw a line in the sand between who's in and who's out, Jesus asserts, you will always find God with whoever it is that you have othered. Now, at the end of the story, the Pharisee will leave the temple and he will return to his home as a faithful follower of God. That hasn't changed. He saw himself as righteous when he came up to the temple and he still does as he goes back down. The tax collector, however, will leave the temple changed. He will go back to his home justified and accounted righteous by the Holy One of Israel, by God. And why? Because God makes it so. Because God makes it so. People of God, if righteousness is about doing what God has created you to do and becoming who God has created you to be, then this parable, first and foremost, is about God and God's relationship with us. In Jeremiah, the prophet cries out, you are our hope, O God. You are in the midst of us. You have called us by name and you will not forsake us. It's about God. It has always been about God. This parable is a reminder that we can claim nothing on our own. But as sinners, we come to the foot of the cross. As broken people who are wholly dependent on God's mercy and grace. Which, guess what? God doles out with wild abandon. Generously, extravagantly, wonderfully. The love and the mercy of God, the grace and forgiveness of God are there for you. Day after day after day after day. Which is outrageously good news. For which we can all say, thanks be to God.